Hello and welcome back to State of Mind with me, nutritional therapist Grace Kingswell. Today I'm joined by Melika Khan, Dr. Melika Khan, I should say, who is a dentist, a periodontal specialist and follower of nutritional therapy and functional medicine principles. In this episode, we're talking about the oral microbiome and why it's the number one step to maintaining good health overall. Your mouth is your first line of defense against invading pathogens. And as Melika explains, signals can be sent from the mouth to the rest of the immune system when something enters that is potentially harmful to our health. I just think that is totally amazing. The amount of knowledge in this episode is so incredible. You'll learn why mouthwash isn't the best way to look after your oral health, the difference that oral probiotics can make to periodontal disease, how gum disease occurs, and how leaky mouth is the first step on the road to leaky gut. I also quiz Melika on which toothpaste to buy, whether oil pulling and tongue scraping are woo-woo or scientifically sound, whether manual toothbrushes need to be a thing of the past and so much more. Do share this episode if you enjoy it. Let's get on with the episode. So welcome Melika Khan to the podcast. So nice to have you here today. Thanks for joining me. It's so lovely to connect with you, Grace. So we are going to be delving into an incredibly interesting topic, but one that I think um, is, is uh, let's say, gut health's lesser known cousin. Um, something that's incredibly important for our overall health, as we will explain, but not really given that much airtime in the general wellness space. So first of all, tell us a little bit about you and why um, Why are we going to talk about the oral, bi- oral microbiome today? Gosh, I'm having a shocker. That's okay. <laughs> Right. So I'm I'm Melika. I'm a dentist and I'm soon to be a periodontal specialist, but I'm also trained in nutrition and I've done some of the functional medicine modules, which I will be completing. And I'm also due to be trained in behavior science. So I'm going to combine all of wow. that together to basically treat my patients holistically because I think periodontal health is the missing one of the missing links that we will like when we're looking for the root cause of, you know, getting yeah. to the bottom of many of the common chronic inflama- inflammatory conditions. Mm. So I think a great place um, to start would be with, and I think, you know, we've all heard this, digestion begins in the mouth. Yeah. And often we overlook that because these days, you know, we really rush our food, we barely chew it, we eat on the go at our desk, and we totally forget that um, our salivary enzymes are the first step in in digesting our food adequately. And this whole um, oral microbiome, I think people will will be um, familiar with the concept of the gut microbiome, mm. you know, the, the unique ecology of microbes and bacteria that live inside each of us in our gut. But we also have that same thing in our mouth. I'd love for you to explain that for us. Okay, so I think they're two linked questions. So let's start with digestion begins in the mouth in the sense that from a physical point of view, you need the teeth to break everything down. Like like you just said, you have to chew the food adequately. You need to break them down. And if you're a fan of Robin Puglia, and I'm a fan of Robin Puglia, and she's a big advocate of chewing your food properly because it preps it for the rest of the digestive tract. 
But from a chemical mm. point of view, there is two important reasons. One is the digestive enzymes because it starts to break down the carbs and it sends a signal to the body, listen, stuff is coming down, get the boys out, essentially, it starts the digestion. And the other thing is, it's not spoken about so much, but I think it's also quite uh, important, it's the defense. So whatever is in your food, so if you've got things like microtoxins, or if your food contains pesticides or things like that, the saliva is the first line of defense. It's so rich in the innate immune system cells and um, chemicals that that will prepare your body if there is say for example you're eating processed food your body's going to be like right the immune system needs to prepare for what's coming later on and then um so yeah um and then you were saying the other how is the mouth and the rest of the body or the gut linked number of ways one is very obvious through ingestion. So if you've got bacteria in the mouth and the mouth's very rich in bacteria, it's got almost 700 different types of bacterial families living in all the different parts. Um, and these families maintain like a harmony. You do have some harmful bacteria even in normal healthy people, but it's certain conditions or certain lifestyle factors that shift the balance. So that's what where I come in. That's where my area of interest is, this dysbiosis. And there's a specific, the second link, which again is not very talked about, is a, a part of the mouth lining called the junctional epithelium. You can't see it. It's on the inside part of the tooth. So where the circumference of the tooth is, it's like a hidden area. And it's such a tiny, like 15 cell layer um, that produces like little secretions it's got immune cells it maintains this harmony so say for example you've got somebody who is not looking after their general well-being and they're not brushing their teeth as a result of it what happens is the bacteria in the mouth then um, change their composition so they go from these healthy bacteria to the harmful bacteria become they thrive they start to thrive because the environment becomes um less there's less oxygen there maybe there's more sugar there so that that was I think a really big discovery and in dentistry we've known this since the 1970s I just don't know why it's taken mainstream medicine so long to catch up so we've had these complexes called the red complexes, orange complexes, and green complexes. It's the red complexes they're found in such small amount. But like I said, if say for example you're stressed, your diet's poor, you're not looking after your oral hygiene, or you're not cleaning between the teeth with say floss or interdental brushes, or if you're not scraping the tongue, um, these bacteria then start to thrive because the mouth's quite an excellent environment for a bacteria to you know, thrive in. It's Mm. got lots of moisture. It's warm. So, yeah. Yeah, you've kind of answered my next question there. I was going to say, I was going to ask you, you know, how does oral dysbiosis occur? Because we know so much about gut dysbiosis and we know about the importance of stress and diet and lifestyle factors and, you know, overuse of antibiotics, et cetera, et cetera. 
But um, I, I feel like for most of us, you know, oral health goes as far as brushing our teeth twice yeah. a day and then that's it. Like we just don't even consider it any further. So what, say for example, someone has dysbiosis orally, what knock-on effect could that be having for their overall body health? Okay, so like I said about the junctional epithelium, it's unique. Other epithelium in the body are either connected by tight junctions or they have that... Um, well, it's just like the junctional epithelium is unique because it's, it's quite um, gappy. So things can go in yeah. and out. So when things are healthy, that's not a problem. Little bacterial products will go in and out and the body will deal with it and it sends out nutrition and everything into and, and defense cell into the oral cavity to deal with uh, you know, the load that's coming. However, in disease, when dysbiosis has occurred, there is excess bacterial byproducts and bacteria then can pass through these junctions. So it basically becomes like a leaky gut situation. And it's the junctional mm -hmm. epithelium, which is the location of the leaky gums. Um, and it, it forms this thing called what we call a pocket. So it's oh, through the yes. pocket. I've heard of these. Yeah. Mm. So this is where this because is where the exchange happens. So the bacteria produce like everywhere else in the body, um, inflammation molecules, signaling molecules, mediators, um, and that's where the low grade inflammation starts. And then obviously low grade inflammation links the oral cavity to things like diabetes, heart disease, Alzheimer's disease, depression, infertility, arthritis, you name it. Periodontal disease is probably mm. like a causing, sending out mediators for these inflammatory conditions. Yeah. So I guess then what we're essentially looking at is any inflammatory condition in the yeah. body. Yeah. So, yeah, so many different um, sites of, of impact for periodontal disease. I also just quickly want to let people know, because I, I feel like we've launched into this and actually... For me myself, I I was like had to just quickly question what periodontal meant. Um, so it's everything around the teeth, yeah. right? Yeah. So we're talking. I should have explained that the in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so periodontal is a tooth support tissue. So it includes a few different structures. So it's everything mm. but the tooth. It's the bone. It's the gum. And it's the ligament. And it's actually the tooth root surface material as well that's anchoring all of these things together. So it's very intimate, and it's the junction epithelium that lines the root surface and the um, gingiva which is the gum and that's mm. where I, I say that's where the magic happens but that's where like the destruction can happen as well yeah yeah because I mean gum disease is so 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 common yeah um, in our society and generally speaking um, if you have gum disease and this is just what I've experienced um, from members of my family who have gum disease yeah. You, you get given really, firstly, you're told to clean in between yep. your teeth using brushes and like, you know, good dental hygiene. But you also get given um, really astringent yep. mouthwashes. Now, can we, can we kind of draw a link between these crazy mouthwashes that so many of us flush our mouth out with after we brush our teeth and let's say antibiotics that we would take orally that then wipe out bacteria in the gut so I guess my question is do these crazy astringent mouthwashes have a kind of broad killing spectrum of bacteria in the mouth in the same way that antibiotics can be detrimental to our gut flora and our gut bacteria 
I'm so glad you asked this question because I'm just, it's one of like my pet areas that I love. As you can tell, I'm really anti-mouthwash. So am I. That's okay. I think we share that view. So patients commonly will ask me that. And my answer to that is I am in a normal 99% of the time, I wouldn't recommend mouthwashes. Mouthwashes to me represent what antibiotics represent to the rest of the body because for two Mm. reasons. One, they're quite strong and they disinfect the mouth, which they're very good at. Say, for example, if it's an acute infection, like it would be with antibiotics, that's fine. However, long term, you don't want a disinfected mouth. You do want your good bacteria there because they help you against things like fungal infections. Um, And the Mm. other problem with mouthwashes is that they strip the protective layer as well. So the tissue, so they're having like this double whammy. They're not only attacking the bacteria, but the surfaces their integrity is compromised as well. So then say, for example, Mm. if there was like a pathogenic attack or if there was injury to the mouth, your body can't even protect itself. And the third Mm. thing is they alter taste, which is, people don't talk about that, but I think that gets my thing going as well because I'm really big on food, as you know, and the taste of food should be the taste of food. Yeah, yeah, I agree. There's one thing that I just want to um, circle back on, um, that you mentioned to begin with um, that I think is really important to kind of highlight again because we sort of breezed past it. And this is this idea of the mouth being your first line defense yeah. and the kind of first signaling, the first red flag to your immune system that something is coming into the body that is potentially going to be harmful. And I think, I mean, this is not, I mean, I should know this and and I and it's like in the back of my mind, but you hearing hearing you say it again it's just really made me think I mean I'm always telling my patients to chew their food I'm always telling them to um go for like well I'm always saying no mouthwash I'm saying more natural forms of like toothpaste I'm I'm encouraging them to I also could be getting this totally wrong and you'll put me in my place (laughs) encouraging them to use like water flossing devices but I and I say that from more of like a, a digestion point, like I really want them to be digesting their food properly. And I know that plaque isn't, buildup of plaque is not helpful. But what's what's even more like mind blowing is this idea that, you know, say you were about to eat something heavily processed, yeah. heavily covered in, in toxins, heavily covered in pesticide residues. When you put it in your mouth, your body sends signals to your immune system to fire up and get ready because what you're about to put in is really damaging. That is incredible. Yeah, because the periodontal ligament, for example, um, it has um, cells that are similar to a allergic response. So it's got histamine releasing cells. It's got eosinophils. So they're there for a reason to prepare the body for this attack mm. that may be coming. It's, I think 90% of the time the body doesn't expect it, but the way that we live in the 21st century, our foods laced with processed things, they, they can have pesticides yeah. in them, they can have like microplastics in them. So, yeah. Mm. So we sort of, we went down a bit of a hole with mouthwash, so we may as well just cover toothpaste. Okay. Because this is something that I also really wanted to ask <laughs> yes. you. So, I personally, in in my life, uh, I really, really try to limit toxic 
toxin exposure wherever I can. So whether that's like the moisturizer I'm using, whether that's the food I'm eating, I'm choosing it to be organic. Um, And I'm the same with toothpaste. I try really hard to use just natural toothpastes. Um, Is there, and also I listened to uh, one of my favorite podcasts is the ATP Science podcast. Um, And it's like three Aussie naturopaths, functional medicine-y's people. Um, And one of their episodes was on the oral microbiome. And I just remember them saying that fluoride is not the, the amazing thing that we're told it is when we're you know, in in the mainstream media and that actually fluoride in toothpaste is really damaging for our health. Can you touch on that for us? Okay, so I think fluoride is quite controversial. I agree. Um, I think mm. both within and outside the dental circles. My biggest bugbear with fluoride is as like a systemic, you know, um, agent. And yes, it's it's shown to cause so much toxicity, say, for example, in brain development, in um, GI disturbances, in um, things like, you know, it can cause like just nausea and it can discolor your teeth. However, the problem that happens is that where my clinical practice is, I think I give the patients the choice because you have to weigh out the pros and the cons. The current issue we've got is that our diet's really high in sugar and people are not Mm. brushing their teeth properly and our diet's quite acidic. So if you weighed out, so say if you could get all of those things right, then I think you take fluoride away. There's no need for fluoride. However, what we're right. finding in clinical practice is that those things aren't in order. So I think I think of it like, you know, supplements or medication, more like medication, possibly not supplements. Um, it's like a short-term solution until people get the rest of the stuff right because mm. a small amount of it topically if you don't ingest it with children that can be an issue um it can change the composition of the tooth to mineralize it right if Mm. say for example but it's a personal choice right i think there is a lot of issues with fluoride but then short term it can help that's where i would only that would be my only pro for fluoride in Mm. those patients who haven't got the other stuff under control and they're coming in and they need 10 fillings and I just feel like it breaks my heart to like drill tooth away and then you're putting like foreign things in the mouth because once Mm -hmm. a drill goes on the tooth it's slowly on its way out so I'd say prevention is the best way forward Um, Mm -hmm. but once they've got all those other things right then I just don't see the point of fluoride so that's the only, and I'm sorry if it's not like a concrete answer for this question. No, no, I think I think that's really, I think that's a really good answer, actually. I was just thinking then, do you ever find it, obviously, you are, I need to stop saying obviously, I say it all the time. <laughs> you are a dentist with so much extra knowledge around yeah. the topic. You know, you've got the functional medicine element going, nutritional therapy. Do you ever find it, and obviously you give, a lot of information to your um to your clients do you ever find them do you ever find it strange that or do they ever find it strange that their dentist is giving them advice on you know diet and and lifestyle and you know all the other things like you're saying like um stress and and sugar and and immunity because I think you know dent we assume that dentists just look after our teeth and like you put a filling in and whatever is that ever 
an issue for you in your clinical practice? This is just something I was just randomly okay, thinking you're of. Just, I'm curious. Actually, that's funny you should yeah. say that. I've got two types of patients. One, ones who love this. They're really engaged to it. I think then I just think I become their favorite dentist and I'm, I, I look forward to seeing them. But then I do have other patients who just want the problem solved and then that's it. So mm. I think people come in two categories. Uh, and they're we, the ones that get the fluoride toothpaste. Yeah, <laughs> yeah usually. Usually. And then I, when I tell them that um, they should eat like a savory breakfast, they laugh at me. Mm. That happens. Yes, a protein-based breakfast. In fact, I was recommending your book to a family who have high caries risk the other day and I was showing it to them and the mom just scoffed at me so I was just like oh it's really sad for the kids because if the mom's exhibiting this type of negativity towards it obviously the children aren't gonna yeah engage with it either. do you mean egg yes do you mean eggs yes. and veg uh, yes eggs long live eggs and veg yes. okay right I'm gonna I'm gonna try and be a more serious podcast host yeah. now and um, actually look at the questions that I had written that I would like to ask you so let's talk about right we've established that oral hygiene is fundamental for systemic health yeah. and i think if i want any if i want listeners to take anything away from this podcast it is that it's that brushing your teeth is not just something that we learn to do when we're young and we do it out of routine it's actually really 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 crucial to your to everything so let's talk about brushing how should we actually look after our teeth like what should we be doing so um how to brush your teeth properly, I would definitely recommend an electric brush over a manual one because it has the same technique again and again. So say, for example, if I've not had a good night's sleep, um, an electric brush isn't going to be able to like, you know, be slower at it or miss the areas. So that's for me, that's what I prefer. However, if somebody's got a really good technique with their manual brush and they can replicate it every day, go for it. Um, brushing close to the gum margins because that is where these red keystone complexes stay, the one that can cause dysbiosis. So that's what, that's another thing. And the third thing, what I would recommend is that toothbrushing should always be complemented by cleaning between your teeth. So things like floss or interdental brushes. And I really cannot stress this enough that if say, for example, you're going to the dentist again and again, and they're saying that, oh, like you should brush better or you're missing out areas, then do invest in a hygiene appointment. I feel like they're an investment into your health um, overall, because that will prevent so mm. many illnesses. If even after mm. that you're struggling, then you can get tools that um, will show up all the areas that you're missing, and then you can brush using, you know, these stained bits of bacteria with your toothbrush. So how about things like um, oil pulling and tongue, tongue scraping? Are they beneficial? Trunk scraping, I think the research on it is becoming more and more. And I think it will become part of this gold standard. Brush your teeth for two minutes, clean between your teeth, tongue scrape. I think that's coming soon because it gets rid of like your tongue's filled with just like your mouth is filled with things like bacterial byproducts or let's not even go there like debris food remnants fungi so in order for you to feel like you've had like a good clean I think tongue scraping is a must 
there. Um, with oil pulling, I think oil pulling has promising um, outcomes for the future. However, the research is a bit slow on it. It's not harmful. So I think if you're into oil pulling and from like a personal point of view, if it makes you feel fresh, go for it. However, currently, I wouldn't recommend that as a substitute to, you know, this normal mechanical plaque disruption. Mm, yeah. So so brushing is always going to be the number yeah. one. And why is it that we like, what is it about plaque that we're trying to remove? Why do we not want plaque? So we, we don't want <clears throat> plaque because we don't want to give these bacteria. So um, these pathogenic bacteria, the harmful ones, an opportunity to improve in number and quality. So that's that's mm. what we're trying to achieve here. And if their byproducts are there, because there's enough of them present, they go through that junctional epithelium and they start to cause inflammation and destruction around the gum margins and then eventually the bone and the rest of the body. Mm. So it's quite a slippery slope pretty yeah. much. If you stop looking after your teeth, things can really quite quickly escalate. Yeah. And Something I would love to also just pick your brains on is um, mercury fillings yeah. and mercury toxicity in general. So um, I had a client, nutritional therapy client, a few months ago who um, uh, had about, I don't know, eight or nine mercury fillings. And um, this was like, a you know, historic ones that they'd had over the course of their life. Um, because the way that they were, they way, the way that they grew up, their diet wasn't great. There was a lot of sugar. And like so many of us, they had really bad dental health. Um, and then as I was seeing this particular client, um, he had an, he had a dentist appointment in between our sessions and another filling was put in and it was a mercury filling. And then within a week, this particular patient who struggles with psoriasis anyway, had a patch of psoriasis appear on his face directly over where that mercury filling was put in. And I guess my question is, why are we still putting toxic heavy metals into people's mouths? That doesn't surprise me that that happened. So many patients experience that with um, the classic amalgam fillings. The short answer, Grace, is it's political and economic. <laughs> I think that's, that's the short answer. However, the long answer is that, again... I think as a new filling, I wouldn't recommend getting amalgam fillings. But the NHS, our, our National Health Service, still recommends the amalgam fillings as a gold standard. But then that would be up to the clinician to place them. Mm. Um, like I said to you, if you've got old amalgam fillings, I wouldn't recommend getting rid of them. Reason being, when they're in the mouth the mercury is in a different complex. It's it's like um, amalgam with silver and other compounds. So they don't leak so much unless somebody's severely grinding their teeth um, or if their diet's really high in acid, that bit's dissolving away. Whereas if, say, for example, that filling becomes defective or there's another decay underneath it, then there is a proper way to replace these fillings. Mm. But new fillings, up, I don't advocate them yeah. personally. Because, uh, yeah, they can they can be... Obviously, there's lots of other sources of heavy metals in our diets, um, yeah. fish being being one. But um, I do really see it in my clinical practice anyway as a, as a 
um, contributing factor to general ill health. Um, and yeah, I, part of me yeah. just can't understand why why we're still doing it. Like you said, you know, if you're putting a new filling in now with the research and the understanding that we have, it would make sense to not not to put a heavy metal in. No. But um, but there you go. So. Okay, so there's one other thing that um, we wanted to touch on. Can I just add something? Oh, please do, yeah. Can I just add something about the amalgam filling? Sorry, I just forgot to say. Yes. What I would like to add is if you were due to have an amalgam filling replaced by your dentist, please make sure that it's done properly because it's in the process of removing and drilling when the mercury comes out and when the vapor comes out. That's where most of the harm can happen. And um, they should place like a barrier that prevents it from going into the rest of the mouth. So the mouth should be isolated with something called a rubber dam. And the suction they should use is a high volume suction. And please, mm. unless it's absolutely necessary, please don't get multiple fillings replaced because then it might exacerbate other symptoms that you might be having with things like autoimmunity and stuff. It's quite scary, really, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, when you say it like that, the potential toxic um, exposure could, if it's not done properly, could be really, really high. Yeah. When when you're drilling them because you're just removing it. I don't, or, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't like. I don't like the sound of it. I guess the solution is, you know, eat well, don't consume huge amounts of sugar, and hopefully you won't have to have any fillings. Yes, that's the best approach. <laughs> So um, is there anything else from your side that you want to touch on with regards to the oral microbiome? Because I feel like you've got the rough end of the stick today because I've been a terrible host. I, I've been very all over the place this week and I've come to this podcast with so many questions, <laughs> but no real like clear plan of where I wanted to steer the chat. So you being the expert, are there any other really salient points that you just want people to understand about the oral microbiome and all these lovely bugs that are living in our mouths? Yes, I think we should touch on probiotics, like oral probiotics and periodontal disease, perhaps. If, mm, if you're into yeah. that, because I say that because it's my research and my primary research when I was an undergraduate was actually in mouthwashes. <laughs> so that that's what oh. I researched on the effect of mouthwashes and um, bad breath. But now I'm doing probiotics and periodontal disease. And it's similar with antibiotics as well. Um, probiotics in like, so say, for example, if you were to just take probiotics as a preventive measure, it hasn't shown any benefits. Um, where it does show benefits is when you're having periodontal, um, like gum disease treatment. So say if you've got active gum disease and your dentist is doing some treatment, while that's healing, that's when the magic happens with probiotics. They help in the healing process quicker because um, they shift that balance towards the health forming bacteria. Um, mm. And it has been shown that taking it as a combination of a mouthwash and a lozenge, um, like a tablety form or like a chewing form, that's the best outcome. So you, you would need to have it been applied topically, or you could use it as a mouthwash and then take some tablets as well. 
So are there probiotic mouthwashes and even probiotic toothpastes on the market that as consumers we can just go and buy? Or does this have this kind of thing have to be pres- prescribed? No, there there is probiotic um, toothpastes. So Zandium toothpaste, they're quite good. They will mm-hmm. help towards like um, boosting the you know, microbiome in the mouth. And obviously in vivo have got a mouthwash, which I'm a big fan of. That's the one I mm. would recommend after I do periodontal disease treatment. Yeah. Uh, but again, okay. they're, they're to be used short term, no longer than three months, because after three months, we see that the um, benefits like level off, but that makes sense. So if things have healed, you don't actually need things to shift in another direction. Mm. And actually, that, that brings up an interesting point, because um, I often see on on Instagram, you know, as you do, certain, um, I'm just thinking about Simprove and Simprove, the um, oral liquid probiotic, um, they do a huge amount of influencer marketing and you're always seeing people promoting Simprove. And sometimes I see that people have been on Simprove for like years. Yeah. And actually, you know, there comes a point where if you're taking the same strains of probiotic every single day for years, you know, that you've lost the benefits are no longer really, um, what's the word I'm searching for? Uh, you're not really reaping the benefits anymore because it's just become... It's not sustained. It's, I think, for short-term use, for sure, it shows benefits. And in fact, people who have more severe form of the illness, for some reason, they show better benefits with the probiotics. Maybe Mm. because they have like more Mm. aggressive bacteria present, so it can shift the balance that way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so rounding up, today we have learned lots of very interesting things, actually. this is I think this is a really fascinating subject, and thank you so much for explaining it so well. So to the lovely folk listening, thank you firstly for listening. Today we have learned that we need to chew our food excessively well in order to have adequate digestion. We have also learned that the immune signaling um, often happens in the mouth, upon eating food that could potentially be dangerous or toxic. We have learned that probiotics given orally or in tablet form will really help if you've had some sort of like gum infection or periodontal disease. We have also learned that electric toothbrushes are where it's at, I think, unless unless like you're saying you've really got the techers down with a manual toothbrush, which let's face it, most of us don't. Um, and what else? Other salient points? I think that kind of sums it up. Yeah, I think I think you've done a good summary there. Okay, great. I, I mean, I've certainly learned a lot and I hope that people go away from this episode feeling slightly empowered um, with a kind of a new area of their health that they can really focus on and hopefully start seeing some results. Um, I mean, I certainly, personally, we did talk about oil pulling. I personally feel a lot more energetic on the days that I do oil pulling in the morning which I always think is very interesting. Yeah, so see, the thing is, I'm sure that there is lots of benefits to it, but for some reason, the science hasn't caught up. Mm. Yeah. So that's why I say there's no harm in doing it, but just for the time being, just make sure it's a supplement to your current oral habits, because this is how Mm -hmm. we felt about tongue scraping five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. We're just like, yes, make sure you do it for the benefit, but the research is caught up now. Mm. 
Absolutely. Okay, and where can people find you online if they want to follow you and learn more? So I have got my, I've got two Instagrams. One is a platform that we're launching soon, which is called The Gum Guide. And that will focus on all things gum health and um, systemic health and oral microbiome. And then I'm also a pastry chef, um, food writing on Dr. Mehlika. Yes, I forgot to mention that your food stories are a constant source of, well, firstly, envy and secondly, inspiration. So yeah, do follow along. I will put your links in the show notes so people can start salivating over your delicious meals. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me today. This has been wonderful. Thank you, Grace. Thank you so much again for tuning in to State of Mind. Like I said in the intro, if you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with your friends via your Instagram stories. And don't forget to rate and review via the podcast app. See you next week. Bye bye.